Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who hasn't shit himself. Unlike me, as some of you know from Instagram, on my way to the surf yesterday, I don't know if it was because I was nervous about big waves or whether it's because I had a bit of a tummy thing, which I've been working my way through gradually. But yeah, yeah, so, you know, go to do a fart and uh, it's not a fart. Just that little, oh, oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Thank God. I'm glad you've cleared that up. For wet both, wipes. On both fronts. Blimey. And there I was, cacks down, trousers off, socks off, shoes off, full change, pants rolled up into a little ball, back of the car. It was only a little smudge. It was only a little stain. But hey ho. And, you know. And if you're eating your breakfast while you're uh, listening to the show, <laughs> welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you did clear it up because I saw this thing on, it was one of the times I was grateful to not be on a surf trip. Yeah. Because I thought, oh God, that's not a good van to be in. Yeah, I know. I'm quite famous for poo incidences because my buddy Ryan um, caught wind of this, not literally, like, you know, caught wind of the smell of my of my shit. No, but he was on the phone in the car with the guys who were joining me for the surf that we were about to have. And uh, he goes, Christ's sake, you know, and he brought, he brought back this memory, but we'd gone off for a surf at Croydon. I didn't realise it, but I still had a bit of shit on the back of my wetsuit because I'd been for a poo in the dunes. Oh, my God. Now, a poo in the dunes is a great experience because you, your feet bury into the sand it's quite a ter- It's a terrible bar, though, isn't it, poo in the dunes? It- <laughs> that would be a great name for a band as well. Well, I think there is a festival called Tunes in the Dunes. Oh, no, no. I think. I might just make that up. I might just make that up. If there isn't, there should be. Definitely should be. And, yeah, sorry, Ryan, if you're listening, but I did get a bit... He said, get a towel, get a towel under your, under your legs. Get, and I was like, whoa, 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 where's the towel, where's the towel? So I had to put a towel under my legs and then we drove off to Croydon, bless him. Uh, he let me sit in his, his van, sat on a towel with poo on my leg. But oh my there's God. been a lot of those. I mean, it's just one of those ones where I remember being in France and I came over the dune with a great buddy of mine called Chili. And we saw, I mean, just, I thought I'd done my morning poo. And then I saw six foot, now France at six feet with a gentle offshore breeze temperature's about 22 degrees celsius in the morning already and it's just and it's orange sky and it's just oh my god if you haven't been to france for a trip please go to france and the excitement was like oh my goodness um i'm gonna have to have another poo so i was just in the dune i said like, well just let's just go in the dune no big deal and that's just one of about another million stories but i just it's just one of those ones where you know Healthy bowel movements, should we say. I mean, if you are a specialist and you're listening to this show and you can advise <laughs> William at age 36 how to control his help. how to control his bowel movements, then any 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 help is greatly appreciated. Yes. Yes. Um, well you're you're the obviously you are the you're very good at just contain. That's it. We call you the camel. Now to those of you who don't know why Liam's called the camel, it's because he can drink a good amount of water and not seem to need a wee. For hours upon end, and, and I think you, am I right in saying that you don't wee in your wetsuit, or do you? Uh, well, I mean, everybody does that, don't they? But, oh, okay, fine. So you, yeah. I thought at one point you had, yeah. you'd actually wee. Just that if you don't need one, you don't, you'll force it out. Great. Did you see the Cook of the Day have got a sticker? It's got IP in my wetsuit, mm-hmm. right? There's one of them. And they've got another one. Apparently yeah. it's their bestseller. Mm-hmm. It's I heart peeing in my wetsuit. I love peeing in my wetsuit. So <laughs> There's one for her. <laughs> you should have that stitched on. Yeah, I, I I do personally love pissing my wetsuit. The defecation um, episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, you've been surfing again. Yeah. And I haven't. Yeah, I know. And thank God I haven't. I didn't want... That is a van, as I said, that you would not want to be travelling no, to the North I Coast. Know, I know. And we got some waves. It was good. It was it was powerful. And it was woolly. 
and a bit wild and uh, had some crazy wipeouts, but got some good ways. And I managed to figure out this board a bit more. I rode it as a quad. Ooh. And quads, what they do is they, they don't forgive you on your rail. If you're not on rail, the board flattens out because it hasn't got that sort of thruster. It hasn't got that engine at the back. But if you go on rail, that's where the engine is. Which it is, really, on all boards with all fins, but quads especially, because there's no trailing middle fin to give you pump stability. So you can't do that kind of front foot pump thing with a quad, because it just won't work. You've got to bring things into rail, and it felt fantastic. And then in the afternoon, yeah, we, it all cleaned up and got a bit dreamy and a bit special. Thanks for that. Which I'll, I won't rub in too much. But it was really special and really, 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 really good. And you missed out big. T- um. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I was at work grafting. Grafting, lad. Grafting. Somebody's got a bloody graft for a living. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I was. I was, I was um, up in London where there isn't a lot of surf. But there was a lot of fun. It's a great place to be, actually. The city was bouncing. It's good to see. Nice. Yeah. And you get to get your sushi in, don't you? Because you like your sushi. I love I Japanese love food. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we live in a place where you can't get good access to that really at the moment, can you? So if anybody wants to open a Japanese restaurant down here, they bloody well should. There are some places next to her, I think, but, you know, in our hometown. So, yeah, I get my fix. It's arguably the world's most perfect food. It's so good. Because of so many things. You've not only got Omega-3, which everyone knows is very good for you, but you've, it's also raw. And because it's raw, it's very, very, very pure and stable because Omega-3 is a very, very delicate type of fat that it can burn and oxidize quite easily. You can lose its potency so for example if you're ever cooking salmon don't overcook it it's, it's very important to get it almost a bit rare if you can or ideally eat it as a sashimi yeah. or eat it on top of a bit of rice but yeah. then the thing with that you're not only getting that and all the protein and stuff you're also getting cooked and cooled rice now we've spoken about this yeah. a few weeks ago resistant starch so you're yeah. getting resistant starch from cooked and cooled rice which feeds your healthy gut bacteria whilst at the same time getting in ample quantities, I mean, huge quantities of pure omega-3. I mean, you can't, I don't think you get a better food. And then when you look at statistics of longevity, you have two countries that stand head and shoulders above all others, and they are Japan and France. Yeah. Now, the average age of death, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Liam, why don't you get your stats up here? You got your phone out. I think in France, average age of death is 92, roughly. And I think it's something like 91 in Japan. So yeah. the French eat a lot of really, really high quality bread. They are religious about the quality of their bread, so there's no crap in it. But they eat a heck of a lot of healthy fats, which are not omega-6 seed oils. They eat a lot of um, meat fat, they eat a lot of cheese, a lot of butter, all these things, and they're full of saturated fat, which is actually very, very, very good for raising your good cholesterol. Yeah. And if you want to read more about what I'm talking here, because you might be listening to me going, I thought saturated fat was, was bad for you. Then you, you must, must, must check out people like Chris Cresser. Yeah. Is one. Paul Hamanay is another. Paul Check's another. Read books like The, the Great Cholesterol Myth. I'll have to look that up. I was just trying to find The it. Perfect Health. The, the, the real biggie is The Great Cholesterol Myth, but there's loads of other ones that talk about kind of marketing bullshit that took place in the 60s that got people believing that you really had to avoid like saturated fat and to, animal to, fats. To, to live and animal fats. And, put, and you had to ramp up your process. Oils. To, and to, that's it. There was a Scottish paper popped up in my feed the other day, the daily record. And yeah. uh, it was talking yeah. about how, um, about palm oils actually being incredibly negative impact on the bodies. This is sort of now finding its way into the mainstream media. So it's quite interesting to see that coming out there. 
But yeah, sushi, sashimi, good foods, good fats, lovely. The other thing that I missed, I didn't have this time, but it used to be near my old place of work in London was a poke bowl. It's more of a kind of Hawaiian sort of version. Yeah, again, raw fish, but with that nice kind of cooled rice as well. Seriously good. A bit of avocado in there. Oh, dude, oh. don't, don't. If you have got some rice, some avo, some fresh fish in a bowl, I mean, you're off to a great start. Okay. A bit of sea salt, a bit of whatever. And I have to say, I don't use soy sauce in those types of situations because I don't get on very well with soy. But if you enjoy soy, then my God, if you go for the, the dip dip of the soy sauce with the, oh my God. It's umami, isn't it? That's it's a- just, it's every flavor, every flavor. Yeah, it's umami is what it's called, isn't it? I must also mention that you have a wetsuit that you haven't used. I know. Because you haven't surfed much, but it's by a brand called O'Neill. Now you yeah. might have heard of O'Neill and Liam and I are obsessed with the Psycho One. Yeah. Four three or three two. For me, it's the best wetsuit going. And thank me later, O'Neill, because we've probably sold about a thousand puddle jumpers at this point. So thank me later on, Matt Biolas. Yeah, O'Neill. Nobody wants to talk to us, do they? <laughs> nobody. Nobody will sponsor us with my potty mouth, dude. That's the trouble. I think if you were on your own, we'd probably be all right by now. Well, if you had a potty, thank. Very good. <laughs> ba bum bum. But you have an O'Neill cycle one. I'm obsessed with them. I get one every year. It doesn't ever feel like you're wearing a winter suit and that's what makes it so special and it's a minimalist suit with incredible seams and great stretch and that's what you kind of want I find the suits that are all bulky and Mm. full of that thermal lining and that kind of stuff I don't think you really need it makes it really stiff and cloggy and whatever but please tell the listeners, dude, you... It's, it's the best suit I've ever had I think Told me yeah yes you know I've had all manner of suits and cheap ones at times as well and when we first started surfing together, I was in a vintage gull, I think it was. And it was so, as early listeners to the show will know, it's like a suit of armour. And I wouldn't buy into your kind of O'Neill, kind of spend loads of money on a suit every year until I got one. And I had the first surf I had in it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and especially, we're doing them a favour here. And yeah. we're not even sponsored, so this is just yeah, a, yeah. a kind of, uh, you know, go and try it out. If you size down, because they're so stretchy, it just, it's like wearing some sort of exoskeleton sort of futuristic spacesuit or something. It's a great thing because it's got techno butter. Techno butter. Um, but I also use it for sea swimming. Mm. So, you know, a lot of my buddies who are in their kind of extortionately priced hub triathlete suits and all that sort of thing. I've tried them. I've tried those tri suits and I much prefer swimming in the Psycho One. It seems as good as. It's not fragile, so you don't have to wear like gloves to put it on. <laughs> it's warm and it's flexible. You know, we wear 4-3 for our break in the winter time all the way through. And actually, the three two is pretty, pretty robust as well. So yeah, no, I can only say very good things about it. And like anything, is when you find something like that. So I read all the marketing material of other suits, and you're kind of looking at this material and that material, and how warm it's going to keep you, and whether it's going to be a and it's better the thing that you know, right? So once you get into it, you just get this thing every year, and it's it's incredible. It's a really, really, really good piece of uh, wetsuit technology. But but mine, as you say is still hanging up unused. Not The new one has not been anywhere near salt water. It's not been anywhere near salt water. And it's funny because when you were talking about purchasing your first Psycho One, based on my recommendations, because I, I looked at your girl, and if you listen closely enough, as you were putting it on, it was like the sound of cardboard <laughs> as you... <laughs> or, or tinfoil. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's this thing where I must have sold so much for the surf industry with all the people I know, not based on my level of surfing, because if you looked at it, you'd go, uh, oh. 
but more just my relentless enthusiasm for equipment. I just love kit. So apologies to all the people who are in my circle who have spent thousands of pounds. <laughs> Liam's nodding on lots and lots of, of kit. The other one is fins because fins make a huge difference. Mm. It's like one of these ones where yesterday, completely different board. I mean, literally more speed, mm. more drive out of rail, not as much control. Everything has duality. And I think if I was surfing a much punchier wave, I say punchy, it was punchy. If I was surfing a wave that was faster, with a more profound sort of barreling lip going down the line, that sort of thing, you'd want to go back into thruster, yep. get that control back. But no, I mean, the board wasn't the same. It just felt completely different. It's why we've got to keep experimenting with kit and trying new things, take on recommendations. And also, we've talked about this before on, on the show, is make those mistakes because they're going to happen. Like I bought suits before that I was like, oh, geez, that's not a psycho one. I bought a Hurley in the summer and I sold it. Yeah. Because that is not well, a Psycho 1. That's not, I, I not even a, close. I had a Vizsla. Yeah. And it degraded so quickly and it just became so baggy. You might as well not be bothered to wear a suit. Uh, and that wasn't a cheap bit of kit. But again, I think you get some brands where you've got style over substance and the rhetoric around what they are doesn't match up. Maybe it was a bad experience, Vizsla, but the one I've got was close to useless after about four or five surfs. <laughs> So true. And it's funny how brands work because the back in the day, it was like you had to make sure you're wearing a Quicksilver t-shirt Yeah. if you're walking around a surf spot so that you looked cool. There's the first rule of surfing. You've got to look like a surfer. Got Everybody knows that. look like a surfer. And now it's swung full circle because <laughs> you do not want to be associated with a, a, a heavy, large brand like that. You must step away from the corporations and the, the destruction and the, what they do to the economy and the climate and all the... And you must, must wear a Patagonia. You must. Or, even better than Patagonia, is a, a local brand. And it's all ego. In the end, it's, the ego will never escape Where us. one of those local brands that's made in China. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> made in China. Yeah, that's the irony. It's just got logos. Um, Designed in Cornwall. Des- oh, thank you. Thank you. And in the end, it's just accepting that we all have an ego and it's okay. It's not, it's so much of it's unconscious because that's the nature of ego. And it's like, you know, it's okay. And I think when people then judge what people are wearing because they're wearing it because it's a famous brand and it makes them maybe look more like a surfer and feel more like a surfer and whatever, then who the fuck are we to, to judge that? Because if it makes you feel good, what the hell? It's like a board. It's like anything. You it's know? all identifiers, isn't it? Totally. It's labels and belonging to tribes and all yeah. that sort of thing. I saw it, in fact, on that front, I saw a, a surfboard shaper absolutely grilling one of the top surfboard brands that is out there that I think is a, a great surfboard brand. And I was reading it going, that is an amazing amount of negativity. Now, fair enough, I do not, I'm not in that person's life experience and he or, or she, I doesn't say it's a he, might have a lot going, that's got way more that's gone into that. Of course he would, because he's a bloody shaper, for Christ's sake. But even still, it just was like, well, yeah, okay. But if you sort of carry around that kind of negativity, it's the only person who's damaging is, is yourself, as we yeah. talked about on a number of occasions. But, dude, well, we've when got... are we going to get you back in the water? Come on. Well, when's the next surf? That's the thing. Tomorrow morning. I think, well, it's Monday morning. I so know, some of us go. I mean, that is a balancer. That, there is another episode in that, isn't there? It's about balancing work and surf life. And we are both lucky enough to have some flexibility in that. You know, I know that I'm very grateful that if I really want to go surf and I can arrange the day, that can happen around sort of family and work, obviously. And not everybody's as fortunate as that, but things are quite intense again at the moment. So you kind of sometimes have to dial into one or the other. A combination of lack of local waves since the last sort of pumping session that we had a couple of weeks ago now, is it? Two weeks ago now? And then not being around to go on a little dawn or north coast trip to uh, Devon or Cornwall. 
has kept me out of the water and has kept that O'Neill Psycho one suit as dry as a bone. Is it making you hungry? Yeah, for it And hungrier? Well, yesterday, I, was, I, mean, I should have said this to Surf Media later on, but I was watching again, which again is a good and a bad thing to do. But what was it? Saturday afternoon and I had sort of five minutes off sort of decorating, doing some crafting. So I watched Mason Ho and Coco Ho's newest one where they were surfing her back door. Again, I just love watching Mason Ho surf at the moment. And there were a couple of other surfers in there. I think um, Morgan Sibilic, who's one of the young Aussie tour surfers, was surfing the waves as well. The takeoff, pop and exit from what looked like gnarly. And these things are wedging and throwing as well. So the skill, the water sort of knowledge to navigate that break as it changes, as it comes up as a higher and higher tide, is astonishing to watch. So I've been watching that and generally basically feeling even Worse about the fact that I haven't surfed. So I'm <laughs> incredibly hungry. I would yeah. surf anything right now. Oh, man. There you go. And the hunger is a really healthy thing, isn't it? It shows how much you care about that sport and what a wonderful sport it is. And that's why we're here listening to this, speaking about this, and it's what we're doing. And it is a joy. But you've got to get that balance right. Yeah. In the end, you, you know, we talked about it before. There's a fine line between order and chaos and a little bit too much order. Mm-hmm. Things start getting a little boring, yeah. a little bit stagnant. And then a little bit too much chaos and things can get a little anxious, shall we say, or a little bit too, you know, full on. I can speak from personal experience today. I mean, I had the kids this morning. I was out surfing all day yesterday and that ramps up the chaos factor, obviously, because you're really involved in this kind of, you know, driving around, having a great time, surfing, but that's got to land somewhere. And those moving parts land on, I've got the kids. My wife goes off to work on Sunday and they were asking me just so many questions and constantly making noise and it was oh my oh there i was just breathing (laughs) it was hard they were pushing me and i was just like oh my god and that's duality that's life you know it it was an amazing fun day but that's got to land somewhere that you don't just oh peace now no such thing and we're all human and we're all human so you know you get especially the flip side if you're not surfing and you're looking at things and you're feeling like you're missing out and then the stress of life and family and work and obviously we're in peak chaos at the moment the world is in a kind of strange old situation still and lots of kind of uncertainty and you know and you can take it out mostly on the nearest and dearest can't you because they're the easiest people to slip back into sort of an unconscious just (coughs) human response so we all do that. And I can only apologise to my good wife for the time that I say <laughs> things that are not very mindful. Tash, if you're listening, well, I am that, sorry. Was, that was sincere. Yeah. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Guys, moving on. Second number two, just a couple of moments to check in with our breathing, which I could do with massively today. Take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And take a breath in. And breathe out. Take a breath in. Really notice the air going in. And then really notice the air going out. Pay attention to it. Keep your focus on it. And then just do two more breaths. Breath in through your nose. And then breathe out. And then one final breath in through your nose. Hold your breath at the top. 
Just hold your breath. And then really slowly breathe out. Noticing the air going out. I had to be very mindful in the week of my ego because I surfed a popular beach near us on the north coast, Mm -hmm. which gets a really good punchy wave. It's a world-class wave on its day. It's Croyd, to Mm. those of you outside the UK who don't know where or what Croyd is. Check it out. If you're in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, America, wherever, check out photos of Croyd. It's impressive Mm. when it's on. Very hot, like Hosagor, sort of full-on barrels. And uh, we surfed it on... It's not a secret spot. It's definitely... And if it was, it isn't now. You're in trouble next time you go. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. But we went there in the week. It was a bit crowded. I was on my new board, which is smaller than my usual go-to small wave board. And I thought the waves were going to sort of semi-pump. So starting to get like head high, proper, maybe a little bit overhead. And it didn't. It stayed around waist, chest high. And I, I couldn't put turns together. It was... I felt so out of my comfort zone because I just felt like how I'd look to someone would be a kook. That's the honest truth because it just, I could not pull together two turns. I, I would get occasionally a decent wrap in and then it would finish with sort of like a, a bit of stickiness and I wouldn't quite complete it. Or if I was going backside, I'd go to work through my rail turn and, and it wouldn't follow its way through because there wasn't enough foam and stuff. I know it's a combination of things. It's crowd was big. So a lot of the bombs I'd, oh, and then someone's on it. So there's a bit of that frustration perhaps. And then also, I was using these fins, which there was just too much fin. Mm-hmm. So the board, when I go to release it, you know, my backhand snaps my go-to maneuver. The one maneuver I kind of am very, very confident with, it just wouldn't come round and release. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those surfs. And it's remaining positive despite it because I sort of still got a few. It was still mostly lovely being in. But my ego, I had to be very aware of because it was really playing tricks on me. Like I should get annoyed right now that I've just completely effed the wave of the day. Because I'd did, i waited and waited for this wave and it took me 20, 25 minutes on this peak to try and get. And I finally got it and there's a lot of people there. And I just, that just fucked it. Absolutely ballsed it up. And we need to give ourselves permission to get frustrated. In, in the heat of the moment, our, what we call our reactivity yeah. can be very heightened, in particular when it comes to a testosterone-orientated sport at times, you know, as, as male egos, like, oh, I want to do well, I want to, you know. And had to let that go. So I was like, fuck, just chill the fuck out and stop taking yourself so goddamn seriously. And in the end, it was, it was fine. It's just what it is what it is. But what it did do was provide some energy towards like, right, I need to sort those fins. Yeah. I'm not just going to ditch this ball. Because honestly, dude, I was so triggered by myself, no one else, that I was like, fuck this. I'm selling that board. I'm just <laughs> fucking shit this board. And it's nothing not even a gram to do with the board. It's all to do with my ego, to do with my inability, to do with all these things. And just the wrong board, because it was only waist to chest high. That's a puddle day all day long. It would have been amazing on the puddle. But anyway, I just had that thing. And then it's being able to go, right, okay, well, once that's simmered off, like, you know, can you use that energy? And it was, it was like, right, I think quad. And I do think that this board really, really needs an overhead wave. Not even head, overhead wave. Because overhead waves in England are not overhead waves abroad. When we get overhead waves, it's the equivalent of a chest high day at lower trestles. Like, you know, yeah, when oh, you see yeah. Noel Salas at lower trestles yeah. and he's surfing two feet overhead. Now that yeah. is monumental power. Yeah. He's laying his rail into, and perfect too. Not breaking yeah. too quick, but a hell of a lot of energy coming to that reef. Yeah. It's a reef break. 
And we saw peach breaks, which are sandy, and they come in gradually, and they break crumbly. Maybe not Croy. Croy, there's a few spots. Morgan Porth is another one. There's a few around where we live that do chuck and go. But our head height is not an abroad head height. Do you know well, what I mean? it's all about the power in the wave rather than the size of it as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And then using that energy, switched up the fins. Right, got to change the fins. I got it on a bigger day. And that was the day yesterday. And it was all like, oh, man, fuck. It came together. But we could, we've got to be very, as surfers, mindful of our ego that cares greatly about how we look on a wave. And that's just how we are as humans. We're just human. And everybody has a bad day at the office. Everybody. Professional athletes. Everyone. Have a bad day at the office, don't they? Is the kindness to yourself when you enter that zone. There is a sort of is it a paradox where almost the more you progress as well, you go into the next room of, wow, I now can do, you know, back to that, I'm now a better version of myself than I was last week and all that sort of last year. You then sort of start judging yourself by that standard in a way. And that can lead to those triggers. Whereas if you were doing that a year before or two years before, you'd be thrilled with where you are. So it's just getting it in context sometimes and not giving yourself such a hard time. And like anything, it's only one. You're not having a go. You're, you're having a go. and it might be great today. It might be crap tomorrow. Invariably, it will be. There's always, a, and there's always a down. So true. Apart from the fact that with the puddle, it tends to just be up. It's a forgiving board. <laughs> the puddle jumper. Just, if you're not quite in the right place on your board, you'll still do a great turn. Yeah. Or at least a turn that feels great. Because we talked about this before. And I know that the guys at Ombi aren't big fans of, of some of the fatter boards out there for the rail work that you don't have to use. Yeah. And and I get that. I do. I really do get that. It's trying to find that right balance, isn't it? Sure. Thing. Between your performance and your joy. Yeah. And I know they're linked. They're 100% linked, but it's a mysterious journey that, because you don't know how linked they are, really. Because mm. you have some people go, oh, just have fun, just relax, just have fun. And you go, mm, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. And you have the other camp go, no, you've got to perform to feel good and think so ooh, ooh, there's a bit of truth in both there isn't there and we're always working on that i think it's the ultimate challenge as a surfer is is the ultimate challenge isn't it well the joint joint performance i think the nucleus of it is where are you able to access your flow state because you know that's was a theme very much of the, the show in a way and, and kind of coming back to that idea of where does that sit well you need challenge to initiate that sequence that then gives you flow and you need some pain points to go through some stresses to get to that point that you find where your challenge is and that will shift as well you know as you progress so if you're just having fun sometimes and you're too dialed down as you've often said before you're not quite accessing that ultimate flow state which is the bit that puts you in the here and now and it kind of that allows you to mm. sort of transcend almost your sort of human form and enter that sort of spirit realm doesn't it as this in the same way that some kind of psychedelic would do or a meditation would do gets back to that idea that Jerry Lopez said that you've got a little hatch, a bit, a little back door into mindfulness when you surf. It's a cheat code and in, you need to enjoy it. But to access the cheat code, you've got to find where your flow point is. And that takes a bit of experimentation and practice and pain to get there. So true. And a lot of that is just, you know, fins, boards, like yeah. the, the nuance of fins, boards and how that all interplays and which spots you surf true. and how you want to surf. What is your going to be your style? It's such a deep and complex journey, and yet it's simple all at once. It is really unique, and that makes it complex. Like there's a lot of lot of variables. You know, what fins are you dialing in? What boards are you riding? Um, what style do you want to do? What waves do you want to surf? Who do you want to surf with? I mean, that's five of, of another fifty factors 
that makes it complex. Except when you break it down again, it's just one moment that you're there. You're stroking into the wave, one moment by one moment by one moment. And the more intensely focused you are just on that moment, the more it will all, all that variability will come and simplify down into that one moment of when you're doing that turn. But this, there's just so much that goes, that goes yeah. into that simple moment. And it can seem so effortless. You know, we can watch surfers who are doing really, you know, really performing on the wave via that, you know, model we talked about that, you know, the, who does it surf simply, you know, the, if we're doing it on purely just biomechanics of actually how vertical the board is and those things, if someone's doing that to the highest, highest level doing it well, is it just looks easy and you go, wow, that's just all you do. There you go. You just lean there. You just lean there. You twist there. Hey, no big deal. But the work, the work, work, work that goes into that is amazing. It's- yeah, well, it's everything. And always, always the best, this follows on from last week as well, with like with Coco Ho making it look easy on these waves. The most skilled performers, if you like, or skilled athletes, the ones who put the most practice in and the time in and where they have tried and failed and tried and failed until it works. When they do click it all together, they make it look easy. So then you can watch it and go, oh, that doesn't look too bad. But when you try to do it, the technicality of it, the expertise and the hours of practice that's gone into it show you exactly how difficult it is. That transcends sport and music and all sorts of things, doesn't it? That idea that you put in loads of practice and you get back something amazing from it. Very true. Segment number three, mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been working on the mind and body to raise the stoke. Have you got anything you want to share, dude? I've been sort of out of it really so for me I'm in this period where I just need to go back into a bit of a detox when I work I often am seeing people there's a social element to it as well there's a kind of you know travel so all of the things that I used to do too much of where it was out of balance I'm doing there's enjoyment in that of course but there has to also be a little bit of a down point where you then repair the some of the damage or at least balance it out you know so there was a lot of eating, drinking and staying up late and there's travel involved. So you have to kind of look at how do you counterbalance all of that. So it's, you know, going back to a little bit more clean, dry evenings and, and having a sense that you, I think the chili peppers used to do this, go wild on tour and then have a time where they detoxed and repaired themselves. That's the key for me at the moment. It's using the time now and back to surf if I can, do surf fit, eat and drink well. Very nice. Not eat and drink as well as I was doing <laughs> the last sort of three days. Well, did you have a, a bit of a go of it the last few days? Yeah, I mean, I th- for, unusually I was away for three days, I think. So, mm. um, and when you're sort of doing work and a bit of social, everybody wants a piece of you, don't they? So you kind of go from one thing to the next and you're up, but everything that goes up has to come down as well. So all of this stuff is, you know, from a pure physical and mental kind of standpoint, there has to be balance to it because it can be detrimental, but it can also be brilliantly beneficial as well because you have variety and change and stimulation and all of that thing. But if you tip into too much of it, then it becomes an unhealthy thing. There has to be a counterbalance, particularly when it comes to uh, bodily health and nutrition and food and all that sort of thing, as we know, because we're talking about surfing as a pursuit that requires a level of fitness, and especially as you age. So for me, it's now kind of going back to treading that line between having a good time, but not having too much of a good time, and not letting either of those sides of it fall into either too much order or too much chaos. So it's all of those mindful surfer things brought together and combined with the world of work, but absolutely challenging. Mm. Um, Because it tips you back into that place where willpower and mindlessness comes back in, doesn't it, Around particularly around food choices. If you're traveling... You're looking for convenience. And one thing it does help me do, actually, well, and I kind of find this easier to do when I'm away and working, is bits of fasting. 
because you're busy. You can kind of combine bits of intermittent fasting into it because you don't notice that you haven't eaten until after lunchtime or whatever. So you, there are some bits that you can do more easily in those situations, mm. um, but other things start to be much harder to control if you're in restaurants, bars, places that are not so easy to access all of the good stuff. It's um, alcohol is really, it's quite a remarkable drug. It produces a set of hormones that just make you feel so good. It's GABA mm. is one of the main, well, if not the main one. And I know you can take it. It's an amino acid that gets released. Check this out for me, dude. Cool. It's called GABA, G-A-B-A. I think it's an acronym for, for the full. Uh, no, but it's GABA is released when you drink alcohol. And it's that hit of GABA that we love when we have it. And it makes us want to open up more with people because yeah, it, it relaxes it, it, that that it's, shield it's a gamma amino butyric acid hey there we go that's yeah. what it is the non <laughs> it's a non-essential amino acid non-essential it's the principal inhibitory neurotransmitter in the it, brain and what it does this is what i read about it it's a fascinating thing when you produce gaba effectively you drop your shields so when you're with people you you're more honest you just relax into your humor you relax into your vulnerabilities whatever it might be Alcohol is incredibly therapeutic. There's no doubt in that. We just love to better have a magic pill for afters and be able to say, oh, no after effects. But of course, like anything, just like a surf, you know, surfing is, is so therapeutic. It's so good for the soul. But today, this morning, my body was kicked in the ass and I yeah. felt it. And that's the way things go. And like you said before, what comes up must come down. And yeah, there's no way around that. There's no way around it. No and, way I, around. and I actually know that my next surf, in fact, my swim training tomorrow night, will be very difficult because you has to have an opposite reaction to everything that you do. So the stuff that I've gone through this week, great, fun times, great, but obviously an imbalance in terms of, if, you, if we're talking from a pure fitness and nutrition point of view, of course, not where we usually are or where I'm trying to get to. But you start again and you go again. But that first point where you then get back into more order rather than chaos is a challenge you've got to get back in it's always the the hardest step is the first one that you take mm. so that's absolutely where i've got to get myself to for tomorrow night's training nice nice i want to share something on mine because happiness is something that we all want and liam and i you both of us have said this many times before in personal conversations as well as on this show that we know it doesn't come from getting what you want it comes from wanting what you get and that is not me saying that. That's an, that's an Aristotle quote. Wanting what you get is that you're present, essentially. You're here, I'm wanting this. Because why wouldn't I, you know, if I'm in the fullness of this moment, then there's nothing that could be not perfect about it. Even if the moment is full of trigger, you know, it's still a moment that will aid your happiness long-term anyway. As you work through your triggers and emotions, you learn more about yourself. And then that aids your happiness anyway. So no matter whether or not you're having an unhappy moment or a happy moment, it all leads to happiness in the end. And yesterday had a day out with mates and these are mates I used to travel down from London with to go surfing. I now live uh, where I was born, where I grew up in Devon by the sea and we have waves and it's glorious that I get to go surfing roughly when I want during the week if there are waves, if I can make the time. And that's amazing and, I, and I'm incredibly, incredibly blessed for that. However, spending a day with friends with ways, with food, with laughter, sat down camaraderie is special. And it's something you can't get when you're a local. And listen, you maybe do. Maybe you want to write into the show and say, look, if you're a local, you've got to set up a surf, you know, club. Surf social. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So that you go, you have your surf and you don't just go home and you, and you have your little 
headquarters that you have. And I know that in our hometown, we had that way back in the day. My brother would be able to tell you about this, but there was a, a bit of a surf club up at Jacob's Ladder yeah. of all places. People used to go and hang out in there. It's what it is with, with, with surfing and with any sport. The, the social is just as much fun as the activity itself because that's how we get all that understanding and joy and we get to share in each other's joys and challenges and it's a very cathartic thing to do and it's it's just good fun but where i really want to go with this is, is it's just so so important to never compare your present with your past that past is a past that i had and it was joyful and it was wonderful and would i want to swap it for what i have now no because i just i just embrace and love what i have now and i think that's really the lesson it's just no matter where your surfing lifestyle takes you be present and Just that, as I said that. A little toot-toot. A little toot-toot. And it wasn't Will Farting. <laughs> but the, that, that, there's, there's a good point in that. The thing about looking back as well, and the reason why the old uh, cliche of you look back through rose-tinted spectacles, is because the past is a safe, known place. And during the time that you were in that as the present, there were distractions and what-ifs and I'd-be-happier-ifs and all of that sort of thing, and things that are triggering, but you don't remember those triggers because you look back and you know that your story unfolded in a reasonably good way in those times that you're having a good time. You then discount all of the things that are not great about that situation and you hold together the bits that help you look back through that kind of lovely retrospectoscope that's clouded with wonderful rainbow patterns and all that sort of jazz. So true. There would have been so, so, and I know there was so much shite that I had to deal with apart from anything else, a four and a half hour drive. Well, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Loneliness and being on your own is as detrimental for your health, I think. There's a study maybe i think it was by a british organization that said parts of it were as bad as smoking you know in terms of longevity issues around not having access to other people connections physical contact friends and so you know to be divided as people by whatever situation you find yourself in is unhealthy and unnatural we're social pack-like animals and we need that kind of interaction and so if you combine that with something so joyous as sport that you love you know whatever that might be and you have a healthy balance between the two. That's where the good stuff starts to happen. Really nice. And I just want to make a declaration to all surfers listening to this, that if you are on the fence about organizing a trip away with friends or even just a day trip or even, you know, no matter what it is, click, push, go, do it, don't hold back because you will never, ever regret the money and time that you invest in those trips. That's life at its, at its best. Yeah. So just do it. Just don't procrastinate because we can do it. We all procrastinate. Procrastinate with this thing with, oh, look, I've got that to do and I've got this to do, I've got all these things to do. And, and actually, when have we ever regretted those times? And you'd be laying on your deathbed one day. Oh, yeah, I'm really glad. Yeah, yeah, no, I am. I'm really glad I invested more in, in that and less in that. You know, it's just, it's those special memories are the ones that you have to go and create and you have to go and seize it and uh, yeah. seize the day, should we say. Exactly. And um, just on the sort of network and friends and trips, and that, just a thank you to all the people that message in, because we got, you know, we do this Instagram thing, but there's a lot of people, and you feel free to message any time, mostly with nice things if you want, but um, <laughs> the interaction's really good and some good humour out there, and we're loving building this community of mindful surfers, you know, so, and from all over the world as well. But there's some really funny stuff coming through. I want too many to mention, but um, keep them coming. They're really great. Well said. Yeah, absolutely well said, dude. I think with our listeners, there's a, 
there's definitely a sense of humour there. That's what we're getting through from you guys. That, that the you, bloody uh, has to be to sit and listen to us for an hour. <laughs> you have to. Mate, what are they talking? What are those fucking idiots talking about Fuck now? What are they talking about again? Ah, you're great, you are. <laughs> I don't hear that insult thrown around very often no, anymore. No, no, that was galar. an that was an old Austrian. I think it was. What's still, a galar? It's a bird that makes bird? a lot of noise. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So number four, surf media. Anything we'll share? I think I've already gone very prematurely on it earlier on in the show but cool. again i haven't had a chance to watch that much sort of surf media recently but um i went back to yesterday again mason hall surfing the i'm a bit addicted at the moment because you know we we watched a lot of jamie in the past and ben gravy and you know mikey february and then I do a lot of the ombi stuff that's really great on youtube but there's something very pure in the mason hall footage that's just here he is surfing <laughs> And nothing else really in between. And he's, he surfs Matt Bylos's boards as well. Him and his sister surf Lost. So a lot of the time recently he's been on this round nose fish, the 96, you know, RNF. And it is amazing to watch him. As I say, you know, he's a pocket rocket. And his bravery, I think, just comes from experience. There is nothing that those waves are throwing at him that probably as a kid growing up he hasn't experienced before. So again, it's that hours and hours of practice in all of those conditions. And I was watching the, I think you just have to go Mason Ho latest and you can find it on YouTube. But the waves he was surfing at Backdoor, it was kind of, the tide was such that the end of this sort of section where he came out of the barrel was then sort of wedging and throwing a really heavy amount of water. And he was still, you know, the control he had of every situation, of every wave on every board. And when he does wipe out, he just seems to bounce. But you know, he's breaking boards and all sorts, but he just pops up. Amazing surfer. I love watching this guy. He's one of those surfers that just puts a smile on your face to watch because he surfs with so much freedom. Yes, that's it. That's the thing. Where do I want to go on the lip? What do I want to do? What board do I want to ride? Just free, free, free. Yeah. Just go. Just whatever comes to mind, just do it and just roll with it and go with your heart and just yeah. smash it. And that that's a very, very rare... Do you know what? It's, that's a good point. human, let alone athlete. I mean, I don't know him, so he might, you know, he might sort of, you know, never meet your heroes and all that sort of thing. But, you know, people talk about free surfing. And like where this then this label of oh, I'm a free surfer and I'm I'm not buying into the tour and all that sort of thing I get that but Mason Ho strikes me as an ultimate free surfer because he's sort of there but he just he just does his thing re- genuinely does his thing and seems to be always having a good time while he's doing it it doesn't strike me that he takes it all very seriously at all which no, is why he's able to make it look so much fun I don't think you can fake that not even authenticity yep. is something that you can never force. And you can tell it's real. Um, a bit of surf media I wanted to share. Was it, do you know the guy, what's his name? Uh, the surf strength coach? Chris Mills. Chris Mills, yeah. American? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a video by him. It was a hugely popular video for him. I think something like 700,000 views or 70,000. Like, anyway, really popular video. It's about surf skating. It's about poo stance. Yeah, that is one of his better ones. And I watched that and, and it was really, really good. And he's a very straight talking guy and, he, he, and for he, some people that'd be a bit too much he was involved with uh, Clayton from Womby yeah, that's it right back in the beginning but but I really like it I really like his straight talking like he just boom phew, gives it to you ain't gonna soften it no ain't gonna you know, sugarcoat it and geez, you'll make you'll make so much more progress if you if you're able to watch people like that and, and actually have people film you and I know getting film of you in the water is really tricky but you can um, and what is that thing that can film you surf camera 
<laughs> it's uh, what, what is that the, thing? <laughs> it, 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 it points his device at me, and I look the pictures afterwards. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a camera, William. It's a camera. No, it's called Ben Gravy. Uses it. It's it. You've obviously got the drone that can follow you around. Now, have you heard of that one? Yeah. So you wear a clip. Yeah. And it can literally follow you around. Wow, you're filming yeah. you, which is nuts. And then once it's running out of battery, it goes and lands back on the pod that you left it on. Like on, t- for example, people leave them on top of their vans. Then, when you're in the sea, you clip this thing on your chest. It comes out, finds you, oh, films you. What's happening to the world? I know, I know. But getting film footage of you surfing is tricky, but not surf skating. Just get yourself doing some surf skating and get a friend to film you. And you can just start to watch your style. And how someone surf skates is generally how they surf. That's what I've seen so far. And where are your arms? Are you getting into that nice seagull pose, that real Mark Richards, you know, wide arms and throwing them back? Mm-hmm. Or are you real tight here or you know when you're doing your bend are you bending through the knees and the hips or are you bending in the knees and the back which is the poo stance have a look if you want of that video footage i agree but with surf skate in particular yeah, i've seen a much it. much good. simpler format of footage you can get is versus surfing getting surf footage of yourself is yeah. rare as i mean the other thing is chris mills is good on this because he is a surf strength isn't he? his exercise is really good he yeah. is straight talking he yeah. likes a rant but he's good i like him actually we've had some interaction yeah on the, on, yeah he's good he's of, really good back end of instagram the interesting thing for me, because I found this with surf skating, and I watched that actually that Chris Mills one a couple of years ago when I was kind of trying to progress some surf skating stuff. And it really did sort of make me think about if you can't do it on that, you can't do it in the water. So again, about like your body mechanics being able to, to be able to bend at the knees. How's, what's your ankle strength? What's the leg strength? Are you driving through? You know, uh, and again, you know, what's the, it's harder concrete, isn't it? But bravery of taking those arms around and trusting almost to centrifugal force. That's why I love Ombi's skate ramp setup. I'd love to have a go on that. Because if you can get up and look over and round and trust gravity and centrifugal force as you go hit it hard enough, then your surfing progresses. And I've seen, you know, hopefully, you know, my surfing has come a long way from where I was down, down the line for 20 years. And then watch people like Kyle, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, who's another local surfer of ours and he practices a lot on the surf skate and his surfing is amazing now you know he's really great he's always a surfer but i think he would probably say as well he, the skating that he's doing he's a good skater and they're playing some surf skate stuff to it just it's great to watch the improvements that surf skates bring and that for me helped me really kind of go yeah i can't do that on this board why am i even thinking i can then take go into the water and be this amazing surface. It's just not going to happen. Not, not going to happen. What, one of the things you were doing when I was watching you surf skate was you, like you said, you were going to turn, but you were turning with 50%, less yeah. arc, less power, less spray, less flow, because you are you were doing this thing that people do, which is you're looking through your turn. Yeah. You're not one step ahead of the turn. You always need to have your head further away from your legs. So you've got to have pure trust that the board's going to stick. Yeah. And you have to then throw your arms back with abandon and just launch into it. And when you start doing that, I saw it in yourself. Yeah. Surf skates are just going to keep growing in popularity. But um, yes, yeah, you can get some footage. There you go. Right, get a camera. Guys, thanks for joining what us. What a pleasure. We shall see you next week. See you next week. Bye.